0: Galatians 4, 19, and this is what it says. It says, oh, my dear children, I feel as I'm going through, everybody tell me these four words right here. I'm going through what? Okay, now let me just pause for a moment real quick here and let you know I'm a bit of a back preacher, so you got to preach with me, okay? So you're not here to spectate, you're here to participate. Come on, how many of you came to participate in today's service? participate in worship, participate in the message, you're going to take notes, you're going to talk back to me, okay, and so you can talk back unless you have something bad to say, keep it to yourself, and so it says, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until... Christ is fully developed in your lives. This is the uh, Apostle Paul writing to the church of Galatia, and he's trying to convey something to them. He's trying to convey his heart for them as a spiritual father uh, that has planted a church there, and he's gone off and he's planting other churches. He's an apostle, so he travels and plants churches and travels and writes these letters back. And so he's telling them, I'm having these labor pains for you again because I want to see Christ fully developed. Not partially developed, not halfway developed, but I want to see Christ fully developed in your lives. Now, I want to just know how many mamas I got in the room. How many mamas? Mamas, wave at me. Come on, someone. Mama, mama, mama. How many of y'all remember your labor? How many of y'all are like? I, I actually I blacked out. I don't even want to think about it anymore. I was like, <laughs> I remember the very first time we have three sons. I remember the very first one. Like, how many of you know the first one just changes you? Because it's like your first ever experience having a baby, Lindsay's nine months pregnant with our oldest son, Josiah, and and I could not wait because we found out that we're going to have a son. Before I ever got engaged to Lindsay, God told me that I was going to have a son, and God even told me the name. The name was going to be Josiah. And so when I proposed to Lindsay, I said, hey, first off, we got to just get something straight. Um, You're going to have a son. And we gotta be cool here. Is his name his name is gonna be Josiah? You cool with that? She's like, Yeah, I'm good with that. Okay, okay, we can get married now. And so we're married. We got we have we have Josiah's on the way. And I remember the day when you know the labor pains are starting, like intensifying, intensifying. Now our doctor was in Lafayette. We live in Jennings, which I was also very excited about, because that means I get to drive as fast as I want down I-10 like Mario Andretti to get to. Lafayette General, and we get to Lafayette General, and so they get there, she's having more and more labor pains, I'm calling all the family, hey, today's the day, this is happening, we're doing it, we're getting in, so we're in the, the labor and delivery room, and, and she's having the pains, but her water hasn't broken, so we're in this kind of limbo stage of what's, you know, what are we going to do? Now, so she's in there, we're having all this, you know, she's having the pains that come and go, and we're having conversations, all, it's all good for a little while, you know, it's kind of good. When the moment comes, you know, you kind of feel the pain, but then it kind of subsides, and it's all good. And so we've been there for a little bit, and uh, I know she can't eat, but I'm hungry. And so, uh, so I have my brother bring Judice in to me. Uh, this is a burger place, famous burger place in Lafayette. So I, I step out, and I'm eating Judice in, and, you know, I come back in. And the doctor's like, okay, listen, this is, what are we going to do here? We, we, we need to decide, do you want to get an epidural or not? And she's like, no. I'm not, I'm going, I'm going natural, and and then the doctor's like, are you sure? She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, my first child, I'm going natural on this one, okay, all right, we're signed up for this, so the doctor comes back, leaves, and then comes back in just a little bit later, and he's like, hey, listen, um, we need to know now, because we're about to break your water, and we need to know if you want to get it, if you want to get it, now's the time, she's like, no, I'm, I'm, so, so they break her water, and can I just tell you something? Within the next, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes, it just went from pain here to pain here. And now all of a sudden she's looking at me, she's like, get the doctor, get the doctor. Her mom's in the room, it's just me and her mom, me and her mom, the only ones in the room. And she's like, I need the epidural, get the doctor. And I looked at her, I was like, too late, it's too late. I'm not saying y'all should do any of this, I'm telling you what you probably shouldn't do, but if you... I was like, no, it's too late. And then she looks at her mom. She's like, you get the doctor, because I wasn't budging. So her mom runs out like a scaredy cat and runs out and goes to try to find the doctor. And, of course, they come back in. and was like, it's too late. We, we, we can't do this anymore. So now we're going through the, you know, I've learned all that. I watched the videos. I've seen the movies. I know how this works. So I'm, you know, I'm there beside her, and we're, we're doing the breathing stuff. And she looks at me, and she goes, your breath stinks. I mean, I did just eat a burger, but I mean, so anyways, needless to say, um, she gives birth to our son. There's tons of tears. They're screaming. That's with me. And then after her, she's got, here comes Josiah, and, uh, and all of a sudden, all the pain, everything that she's experienced over these last nine months has come to this tears now, not of pain, but tears now of joy. Come on, I remember that day, like when you held your first baby, like just that moment of just all of this excruciating pain and all of this discomfort and all of the stuff that comes with pregnancy, and you're beyond excited now for this moment where you get to hold this baby, and it's the joyous moment of your life. Now, unbeknownst to you, in a couple years, you'll want to give that child back to the Lord at some point, but you're so grateful for this child. All of the pains are for that moment. And the reason I say all that is because, now the Apostle Paul is a spiritual father, but he doesn't actually have any natural children. But he's giving us a metaphor of what it is to really be a pastor. He said, man, I I have such labor pains for you. Almost like a mother has labor pains for her child. I have labor pains for you because I just want Christ developed in your life fully developed and and I've never had a baby all I've done is watch a baby being born but I know I feel Paul in this moment because I have pastored for 23 years and can I tell you there's been a lot of tears there's been a lot of screaming and there's been a lot of ah why don't they just get it Or when people are just in a place where they're just not moving forward. It's just like, oh, I just want them to just fully receive all that God has for them. And the Apostle Paul is in a moment right now where he's, he's hurting for his people. He's longing for this church of Galatia to be fully developed in Jesus. And he's like, I feel it in my bones this is how much I want it for you. And, and I, I feel that often. As a pastor, I know Pastor Jamie and Cheryl would say the same thing. Any people who have led people, probably those of you that are life group leaders. Who's a life group leader in here? Raise your hand if you lead a life group in here. How many of you have felt this for your people that you have led in your groups? You're like, come on. Come on. Like, there's so much more for you. How many believe God has way more for you than you are experiencing right now? Anybody? Like, he's got more for you. He's got incredibly more for you. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Spiritual growth is never accidental. It's intentional and habitual. Spiritual growth is never accidental. It's intentional and it's habitual. Paul is speaking to a church, people who are already saved, people who already know Jesus, but he's going, I want more for you. I want you to be fully developed. You're partially developed, but I want you to be fully developed in Christ, And you need to know something about spiritual growth, though. You don't accidentally get stronger. You don't accidentally get healthier. You don't accidentally... If you put your marriage on autopilot, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. If you put your body on autopilot, come on, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. Anything in life that you just unintentionally just try to go, well, I hope it gets better, does not intentionally get better. It gets intentionally worse, unless you're intentional... And habitual. And I believe there are some things that you and I can do intentionally to become fully developed in Christ. And if your desire in here is to become fully developed in Christ, maybe you're in here and you're like, I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. I'm I'm just kind of checking all this out. I'm so glad you're here, by the way. Uh, This is a place for you to be. But if you do know Christ, I want you to become fully developed in Christ. If you don't know Christ, I just want you to meet Christ today. But I love our church. I absolutely love our church. I love what God's doing in our church. I love pastoring. It's one of my favorite things. I love preaching and teaching God's word. This is one of the most favorite things that I get to do almost every Sunday is to get up here and preach God's word. But can I tell you what I love more than all of that? Is I love taking people on a journey, a spiritual journey. And here's the challenge. I'm going to tell you the unique challenge that Pastor Jamie feels, and he probably, I don't know if he'll tell it to you, but any pastor would I'm gonna go ahead and just tell you that unique challenge is that anytime you're preparing messages and you're 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 figuring out what does the Lord have to say to his church, you're always you've always got pictures of people in your head. Because we understand that in a room that is this size with this many people in here, everybody in this room is on a different spiritual journey. Some of you are in here and you've got a lot of questions about God and you don't even know if you really even believe in God or not. There's those of you who just recently gave your heart to the Lord and you're just kind of new to this whole thing. Then there's those of you who have been saved for decades, and we've got to preach a message that impacts every one of y'all in whatever seat or step that you're in. But here's the beauty of how God works, though. God is so good because through his word, he can take everybody wherever you are and move you from one step to the next to the next. If you've been serving Jesus for 30 years or you've been serving Jesus for three days or if you don't even know about Jesus, how many you know the good thing about preaching God's word is he, he speaks through his word to every single person. But that is a bit of the tension that we feel as pastors is because the moment you're trying to move these people forward is, is the moment you can leave these people behind. So trying to help every person, I want you all to hear me. My goal today is every person that's walked in here whether you wanted to be here or you got drug here that every person in here hears from the Lord hopefully that God will speak to you through this message today and know that God wants you to go on a spiritual journey with him in the coming months you're going to hear a lot more about this because behind the scenes we are developing something right now as a pastoral staff that's going to help every single person in our church be able to uh, determine where they are in their spiritual journey every person and what next step that they need to take in all that. Now, I'm going to give you three words today. Three words that I think that if you will intentionally put these things in your life, then you will begin to become fully developed in Christ. Not I've been a pastor for 23 years, but I've been following Jesus since I was probably 12 or 13 years old. So, um, almost three decades of following Jesus, and these three things have never failed me yet. And so, I want to. I just want to make today's super practical. You'll get back to a lot of the teaching of the Bible next week. We're going to teach a little bit here, but I want to be as practical. I'm going to take the cookies from the top, and I'm going to put them on the bottom shelf for all of us today. So we're going to make it super simple today. My thing is if what I preach on Sunday doesn't change the way you live on Monday, then we wasted our time. So I want to put some stuff today that will help us on Monday. Here's your first word. Ready? Priority. The first word is priority. That if we want to become fully developed in Christ, we have to make our faith, our spiritual walk, a priority. And the way that I would put that is to put God first. So let's go to scripture now. Let's go to Colossians chapter one, and let's see what the Bible has to say about putting God first. Colossians 1, 16 through 18, it says this. Everything was created, everybody's gonna help me here. Everything was created, what? Through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. This is speaking of Jesus, by the way. Verse 18, Christ is also the the head of the church, which is his body, and he is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. So I want you to see there's some some words here. If you've got your actual Bible here, which is awesome, I I hope everybody will bring your actual Bible, Um, you can highlight some of these or circle these words, which by the way, you can mark in your Bible. It's really good to do. Circle it, underline it. Through him, for him, head, beginning, supreme, first in everything, all of these are words that you should take away. You need to understand something before I go anywhere else. God will always be first whether you put him first or not. Let me say that again. God will always be first whether you put him first or not. God's always first. God's always supreme. God's always the head. There's, he, he is the head. He's the beginning. He's the first. He's above all. He's before all. He's higher than all. He is first of all. Everything is first. When your life really starts making a real shift, is when you realize He's first and you put Him first in your life. He is first. But the moment that you reorient your life to making him first in your life is the moment that God steps in and starts doing things in your life that you can't do on your own. Here's what I want you to understand. Christianity and following Jesus is a belief system. It's a belief in who Christ is, but it is also a priority system. It's not just a belief in Jesus. The Bible says that even the demons believe in Jesus how many know but they don't put Jesus first in their life so Christianity following Jesus is not just that I believe that Jesus is God it's that I believe that Jesus is Lord of all he is the first and foremost in my life and if I can get my priorities right oftentimes our issue is not that we don't have the right things in our life we've got them in the right in the wrong order we've got them in the wrong order and when priorities are not in the right order it affects everything there. You say, well, why does this matter? Because watch this. Here we go. Whatever is first influences your life. Whatever is first influences your life. So this is huge here. If, if your job is first, it'll influence everything you do. It, it dictates your schedule. It dictates your money. It dictates how you spend your money. It dictates your family. It dictates dictates everything. If education's first, or or if pursuing a relationship with a person is first, it, it changes everything. It, it impacts everything you do. It impacts your sleep. It impacts your. It impacts it all. So, what does it look like to put God first? What does that look like? And I want to give you. I want to give you two. Like I said, I'm going to make this super practical. Two things that you and I can do. And and. Following Jesus for many, many years, when these things were in the right order in my life, I could get through some stuff. First thing is that you give God the first of your day, the first of your day. Every person that I know that has a really great, thriving relationship with Jesus, understand the priority of this, that we put God first in our day. Psalms 5.3 says this. Look at the first three words. The first three words of the psalmist, he says this, in the what? In the morning. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. And in the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. In the morning. In the morning. There's something about what we do in the morning, how it dictates the rest of our day." Not that you can't talk to God at night. God's like, sorry, I'm only morning hours. Okay, that's not how it works. God, you can talk to God at any any point in, in time. You can pray at any point in time. But there is something about when we prioritize time with God in the morning that it reorients our life for the rest of the day. How we spend time with God in the morning. How many know when God can solidify your soul before you get out into the world and it tries to wreck it? I mean, when you can go before the Lord and hear, I mean, we probably should hear God's voice before we hear man's voice. God, what do you have to say before I go hear what everybody else has got to say? God, what do you have to say? There's something about the power of spending time with the Lord in his word, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship. God would rather hear from you for just a couple minutes every day than he would for only two hours on Sunday. Right? (laughs) Let me ask you this question. How would your marriage go if the only time you talked to your wife was on Sunday for two hours? I mean, no, you ain't married long. <laughs> but what it is, it's, it's every, every day, every morning, you're, you're, you're making connection. I promise you, if you will begin to incorporate this into your life, you're going to get more peace, more trust, more faith. What would it look like if for the rest of this year, if this isn't a habit of yours? Remember, spiritual growth is not accidental. It's intentional and habitual, because I, I, I'm telling you, walking with people in their spiritual journey, many people go, well, I do, I've done it before, and I just felt like I really didn't get anything. Well, how long did you do it for? A week. Okay, well, let me ask you a question. If you went to the gym for a week, would you lose 30 pounds? No. You'd have to go for a duration consistently for a long period of time. And the same is true in our relationship with God, that it takes consistency just every single day. Consistency, consistency, consistency. What ends up happening is it's actually the consistency that produces the results. It's not even just the quality of it. It's the quantity of it, of us continually doing it consistently over the course of time. So if you don't have a consistent time with the Lord every day, let me give you, yet again, let me make it super practical. You need a place. You need a place. You need a plan. You, you you need a plan. Well, I thought I thought it's just me talking to God. Well, you could do that. That's perfectly fine, but it's important for you to have a place that you can you can spend. Maybe it's in the car, maybe it's the drive to work if you've got a 20, 30, 40 minute drive or whatever, maybe it's like I'm not going to get on social, I'm not which you probably shouldn't be on social in your car anyways. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to turn the I'm not going to turn on the news. Like I'm going to just I mean no, it would be good if we heard from his book before we got in Facebook. Okay. It would be good if we, if we hear his word before we hear the world's word. Like, it, what does it look like for us? A certain place. It might be a, a certain place in your house. It may be a patio. Everybody's got a different place. But you, it, it would be good to have a, a certain place, and it would be good to have a plan. And what I mean by that is, like, what are you going to read? It's okay to, like, do Bible roulette and be like, today, let's see, Mwah, here. <laughs> That's okay. That works every once in a while. But it would be good to actually have some type of plan that you're walking through, whether it's walking through the Gospels or reading through the Psalms. For me, it's a, I, I do a, a, a yearly Bible plan. So I'm just going through the Bible throughout the year. And so I get a little dose of you know, Old Testament and Psalms and New Testament. But you need to have this. How many of you have the Bible app? Anybody in here have the Bible app? If you don't, get it. It's got thousands of plans that you could, you could read. They make it super easy for you. Here's the, even the, they make it even easier. They'll, it'll read the Bible to you. For those who are like, I don't read. Yeah, you do. I watch you read sports magazines. Okay, you know every ESPN stat there is. Okay, you read. But even if you're like, I don't really read well, it'll read it to you. But what would it look like for us to consistently put God first in our day? I have an app on my phone. Joel, throw me, throw me my phone, please, for me. Thank you. Thank you, Vanna White. Appreciate that. Um, I have an app on my phone right here. Um, And there's two. There's a couple of really good prayer apps. So I'm I'm making this super practical. There's one called Inner Room, I-N-N-E-R, Room, Inner Room. There's another one that was built by Highlands Church called Pray First, which is incredible. We all, many of us wear a bracelet that says Pray First. This is built out of um, Church of the Highlands. They've got an app called Pray First. But if you open up my inner room, I'm going to show it because I don't want to just be a preacher that just lies to you. But uh, if you open up this inner room app, which is where I keep all my prayer requests, you'll scroll through. And these are all prayer requests within our church that we have in my family. I've got some pictures of my family. Look, there's a picture of Joel right there. Uh, Underneath Joel, I've got one, two, three, four, five prayer requests that I pray almost every day for that little boy right there. Why? Because I have a plan. I have a plan. Now, you can pray just whatever comes to your heart. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no right or wrong but how many know? It would be good if we have a plan. Listen, with your money, you got a plan. Some of y'all maybe don't. Okay, maybe you need to get a plan for you. You're like, I don't. What's my plan? I don't know. You need to get a plan. Okay. But but I would encourage you. There's there's so many apps that are out there. And if you want to start something, get get an app that'll start it. Or maybe not app. Get a journal. Just get a. If you're, I'm a paper person. Okay, get a journal and just start writing down things. Every Sunday when someone comes up to me at church and says, hey, pastor, would you, and it happens every Sunday and I get dozens of them, they come up, pastor, will you pray for them? I literally say, can you stop, tell me what that is? And I literally put it in my phone. I'm like, I'm not being rude. I'm not texting somebody. I'm writing this down right now because I want you to know that your pastor is going to pray for you this week. And then I'll shoot this off to our intercession team and they'll pray for you as well. We're going to have a group of people that are praying for you. I mean, no, people feel cared for when you do that. So what is it for every life group leader if you do that? Every time you get with your life group, hey, let's talk, let's, let's pray through this, just to have that. Give God the first of your day. All right, here we go. Here's another one. So my schedule is a huge part of, of my priorities. How are you scheduling your priorities? Because here's the deal. Watch this. If you don't schedule God in the first of your day, everything else will take over your schedule. If you don't prioritize God, other things will prioritize in front of that. Okay? So I've got to schedule my, con- my time, my schedule, my calendar. Here's the other thing, you've got a schedule, we just talked about it, but you've got to give God the first of your finances. Two of the biggest areas that God goes after when he wants to be first, is he wants to be the first of your life by making it in your day, and then he wants to be the first of your finances. Look at Deuteronomy 14, 23, it says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always, everybody help me here, to always put God in I know, nobody wanted to say this verse. Okay, let's say it again, all right? The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first place in your life. To put God first place in your life. This is what the purpose of the tithe. Tithing is much more than just a a, a number. Tithing does mean a tenth, but, but it's more than just a tenth. It's a test. I want you to hear me closely tithing is much more than just an amount because I got so many people coming to me well that was old testament well first off no Jesus did talk about tithing in the new testament well we're not under law anymore you're right we're now under grace you know what that means you should give more okay let's go back to the tithe okay let's come back now. because how many know like grace is more grace isn't less Grace is more. So if we're we're new covenant people that no longer have to abide by the tithe anymore, like I don't have to give the 10th, which you really don't. You don't have to give the 10th. You don't give the 10th anything. God's not cursing you and all this stuff. What's happening, though, is small seed, small harvest. So actually what you're doing is you're impacting yourself. And so when we give our finances, when we give our, our, our generosity to the Lord, it's because we are reminding, here's what I do, every time I give every week, I get paid every single Thursday, every single Thursday afternoon, I get auto-drafted out of my checking account into our Savior's church. Like, I'm not asking anybody in here to do what we are not willing to do ourselves. Why I do it the same day, let me tell you why I do it, because I want us the first thing to go out. What ends up happening is, is people do it as the last, as if a leftover. And so no longer does it become a trusting thing. Because the tithe is a trust. God, I trust you more than anything else. You know what it also is? It's a thank you. Every time you give in any way online or in a, in a you know, container or whatever, this is what you're saying God, thank you for being my provider. And every time we hold it, this is what we say I'm my provider. I've got this. But last time I checked, 90% blessed is way better than 100% in my hands. And so learning to put God first in our finances, look what Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the, here we go, with the what? With the first fruits of all your produce. Then, here's the promise attached to it, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What releases the blessing in our finances? I don't really, honestly believe it's just the amount. I believe it's the order. I think it's the fact that we do it first. It's the first, first. That's why it's called the first fruits. Now, I love this illustration. I'm gonna, uh, I've, I've done it a number of times, but I don't know if I've ever done it here before. But I want you to imagine with me. The, these two little containers are your life, and so um, we've got thousands and thousands and thousands of decisions and things that we've got to do every single day. You've got emails, and you've got kids, and you've got sports, and you've got work, and you've got text message, and you've got family, and then you've got the crazy family, and then you've got all these things that you got going on. All the schedule, everything's running around in our life, and we've got so many. Uh, many of us in here, our lives are filled to the max. You, you talk to people, and you ask, man, how's life going? Here's their word. Busy. Man, it's just busy. Busy with what? I mean, we list all the different things of what our life is full of. Busy, 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 busy. And it's not bad things. It's things that is life, family and stuff. But what we fail to realize is that there are certain things in our life that should be bigger than others. Certain things in our life that should be bigger than others. Two massively huge important things is that our time with God, our relationship with God, and our relationship with our family are two of the biggest things. Those, I, I like to call those glass balls because we're all juggling. We're all juggling. Now, I'm not a juggler here, but we're all juggling something. And for many of us, we can throw more stuff in it. We're always juggling. And there's only two that really matter at the end of the day, your relationship with God, and your relationship with your family and people. How me know if those drop and they break, not good. Throw a job in there, that drops. Guess what? You can get another one. So it's very, very important when we're talking about the law of priority when we're talking about putting God first is that, that if you look at this my, my, man, this, my life is pretty full. And so when I try to add God into the mix, it's like, man, I'm just overflowing. This is what ends up happening. People put God at the end. Y'all going to church this weekend? Well, man, it's just been a busy weekend. You know, we've been traveling with baseball and all this other stuff. We're just kind of tired right now. Just, and what we do is we put God at the like if I've got if I've got leftover energy and I've got leftover time, God will get that. But what, think about this, we're overflowing. Like this, this isn't fitting. I can try to fit it, but it's not fitting in here. But what would it look like if we actually were to go ahead and put God in first? What if we put him in the very, very front of it all? And we say, God, no, 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 you're not gonna get last. God, you're gonna get the first. And we put this in first. Now here's the craziest part of how this works. It all still fits. Oh, except for that one. That was crazy, Uncle. That got away. All right. So, <laughs> what's amazing though is <laughs> it all fit. Why? Because the priority was in the right place. It's amazing that when the when the when the main priority gets where it needs to go first, everything else still works out. Any of y'all in here went tried to. Like, man, I don't know how I could tie. There's no way, man. I don't have any money left. I don't know how it's going to do it. And then all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? We're just going to trust the Lord. And then somehow, everything else got paid for? How does this work? It just, it's God's math. It's God's math. Because here's what you realize 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour with God is never a waste of time. Because what what happens when you spend that hour or that 30 minutes or however long with God, how many know He multiplies the rest of your time? He multiplies the rest of your time. Everybody say priority. Here's number two number two is people. People, which means you've got to choose right relationships. You want to be fully developed in Christ priority number one, God's got to be Lord of all, he's got to be number one in my life, he's got to be number one in my time, he's got to be number one in my finances, he's got to be number one in my day, he's got to be the one that I'm always going to, this is why we say pray first, not pray, pray when there's no other way, we say pray first because he needs to be first, it's a reminder to that, but then once we're putting God first, we need to make sure that we're choosing the right relationships. We're choosing the right people to be in relationships. With. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says this, walk with the wise and you become, come on, let's say it, everybody, everybody say it with me, walk with the wise and you will become wise. wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. King Solomon is writing this and he's saying that your spiritual, emotional, financial, professional well-being is directly impacted by who is in your life. You know what the quickest way to get a cold is? Be around somebody who got a cold. Okay? And if that's you, we're going to pray for healing because we don't want anybody else to get sick. But you hang out with someone who's got a cold, you get a cold. Watch this. You know the quickest way to become negative? Hang out with negative people. The quickest way for you to become a critical person? Hang out with critical people. Now watch this, though. The same is true on the other side of it, though. You know how you get spiritual fervor for Jesus? You hang out with other people who have a spiritual fervor for Jesus. Who you're around, you, you, you become a lot like. And they're saying, when you, when you become wise, you will become wise when you walk with the wise. So um, we need to understand that the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our relationships. You want to know how good your, your life is right now? It's probably determined on how good your relationships are right now. If it ain't good at home, it ain't good. How I many know you could be killing it at work, but if your marriage is struggling, it ain't good. Everything in your life could be going great, and you've got a couple of wayward kids that are far from the Lord. How I many know you ain't good? Like, you're... Because the quality of our life is dictated by the quality of our relationships. We want the relationships around us to be incredibly healthy. So what that tells me is one of the greatest decisions we'll make in our life, outside of saying yes to Jesus, is who do we say yes to in our life? Who do we invite into our marriage, into our family, into our life that can speak into our life? I was at, a, I was at Walmart years back, and... Um, I had uh, I was walking down one of the aisles, and all of a sudden, I heard, hey, PJ, which for those that know, my name's Pastor Josh, so people around our campus just call me PJ. So the moment I heard that, a couple of things go off in my mind. First off, this is someone who knows me, and this is someone who knows me as Pastor Josh. So I heard, hey, PJ, and it's a guy that was coming down. We're, you know, we're down the bean aisle, having this discussion down the bean aisle, and uh He's like, hey, what's going on? I said, man, how are you, how you doing? Most of my ministry happens at Walmart, by the way, down aisles. Just frozen food seems to be a really good section. But I, I, I had this moment with him, and, and he said, uh, I said, man, uh, you know, house, how's things going? Um, he, now, let me just be honest here. I didn't know who the guy was. Ever had those moments where, like, somebody knows you, but you don't know them? He's like, hey, what's up, man of God? And then he's like, okay. What's going on? And so he, like, comes up to me, and he's and he was like, hey, I go to your church. And I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. I said, uh, what, what's, what's going on? He said, man, can you just be praying for me right now? Like, there's just a lot that's going on. I'm like, yeah, what's, tell me what's going on. So he starts proceeding to tell me about, like, how work is really, really struggling. He's having a really hard time at work. And then because of that, their finances are really, really good. And he's got this girlfriend that he's living with that's, that, that's not going well. And then he's, then he's like, and then my mom just found out she's got cancer. I mean, it was just like a laundry. It was like a laundry. He was just like, I guess it was just like confession for the soul. He's meeting with the pastor. He's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and uh, And so he goes, can, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Now, here's the deal. I'm at our church, like, almost every Sunday. I didn't know who this guy was. I hadn't seen this guy. Like, nothing. And so I told him, I said, hey, I said, um, I absolutely don't mind praying for you. We'll we'll pray right here in the bean aisle. This is where the anointing happens, right here. I said, but I got to ask you a couple questions real quick. Do you mind if I ask you a couple questions? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, I said, um, are you in any life groups? And he said, uh no, I, what is that? I was like, okay, all right, let me back up here. I said, um, uh, you said you'd come to the church. I said, when, what service do you come to? And he said a time, and it was when we had two services. Like, we have three services. They're all different times now. And so I was like, oh, okay. And so then I was like, when's the last time you've come to church? And he's like, well, okay. So, um, you know, we've been... Been working and you know like Sunday's my only day off and you know it's like. and I was like mm. I started realizing I said I looked at him and I said here's the thing that you need to understand we're gonna pray and I believe God can show up and do incredible things but I want I think you've got a wrong perspective of church you view church as a service you attend as a place you go to here's the truth church is a family you belong to not a service you attend and if you would get connected to the right relationships, a lot of this would get worked out more than you can imagine. Or even if it didn't get worked out, at least you would have people in your life that you're not doing it alone. Because I mean, no, life is hard, but it's harder alone. And so my challenge to him within that was, listen, church isn't a place you go to. It's a spiritual family you belong to. Here's the beauty of it. We prayed, he was at church the next weekend. Now, of course, the beauty is, Is he at church the weekend after that and the weekend after that and the weekend after that? Because it's one thing to go whenever it's just all all hell's breaking loose. But that leads to something that I think we all need. Here's the deal. We all need, if you're taking notes, we all need a spiritual family. We all need one. Everybody in this room, myself included, need a spiritual family. And that's what God is building, by the way. God is building a family. This is what he builds. Ephesians 2.19 says this. Look at Ephesians 2.19. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's... We're going to do that one more time. We're going to do it. it was like a little sporadic there. You are members of God's family. family. Watch this. He did not say, and you are attenders of God's church. He said, no, 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 no. You are members of God's family together everybody say together. together we are his house we are his house built here we go built on the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself himself so he says you're members of God's family when God when when God radically Took over your life and you said yes to him, being the Lord and Savior of your life, and you put him first. What you may or may not have realized is that the moment you said him, yes to him and you put him as the Lord and Savior of your life, you got a new family. You're like, I didn't need a new family. Well, you got one anyways. Okay. And they're sitting right beside you. We we are a family now, not just a church that we attend, but we are God's family together. Together, we are his house. And he says, You are now members of God's family, not just attenders of God's house. You are members of God's family. Now, there are some benefits that you get when you attend. When you attend, you get to be a part, you get to hear great music, you get to worship, you get to hear a great message. All is good as an attender. But it changes when it goes from a tender to a member. Here's the way that I can put it. How many are married in here? Married people? Raise your hand. Married people? Okay. All right. Watch this. When you were dating, you were attending. Okay? When Lindsay and I were dating each other, it was an attending relationship. I went and picked her up. We'd go eat out. We'd have fun. I'd go back home, drop her off. I'd go to my house. She'd go to her house. That was great. But how many know I wasn't satisfied with that? I wanted membership. But in order to get membership, I needed commitment. Here's the problem with our day and age. People want the perks of membership without the commitment. This is why they just shack up with other people and because I get the benefits of it, but I don't have to commit to anything because the moment you do me wrong, I get to get out. But membership, by the way, was the moment when I got down on one knee and I said, Lindsay Elizabeth Talley, will you be my wife? And she looked at the ring and then looked at me and said yes it's a true story she shakes her head but it's a true story and then on April 12th 2003 20 years now y'all 2 20 years ago we we walked down the aisle and we made we made commitment vows not convenient vows covenant commitment vows better or richer or richest no not richer or poor sickness and those are those are Commitment words. Convenient words would be, well, just until we're not happy anymore. That's, that's, that's that. But, but covenant commitment words are in, I'm in this. I'm in this. And she's like, I'm in this. I do. I do. We both do the I do part. Watch this, though. But the moment that we made that commitment, that comes with its own perks, with its own membership, with its own blessings. Hey, watch this, though. But it also comes with dishes. <laughs> it comes with responsibility. So I get the membership part of it. I get the perks. I get the benefits of it. But I also get the, the responsibility of it. So watch this. Well, Pastor Josh, what does it have to do with our church? It has everything to do with our church. Because you can show up on a Sunday and attend and get some good stuff. But let me tell you, the moment that you become a member and you commit to this house to be a member, not only just a member of this house, but a member of the family, come on, let me know it goes to a whole nother level. It's not just I go to church. It's our church. This is our church together that we corporately have together. You say, well, why is this a big deal? Because being connected to spiritual family is God's greatest desire and Satan's greatest threat. Being connected to spiritual family is God's greatest desire and Satan's greatest threat. The devil doesn't mind you going to church. He just doesn't want you to connect to family. He does not mind you going to church as long as you stay disconnected from people. But the moment you get connected to people, how many know we go from one power to ten times the power when we're connected together? Two's better than one. Three's better than two. Come on, how many know 150 is better than anything when we're connected into God's family you need a spiritual family here's the second thing within that you need life-giving friends I don't care how much money you have if you don't have friends life-giving friends you're broke Proverbs seventeen, seventeen says a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need here's why you need some life-giving friends Because you and I need to build relationships today for tomorrow's crisis. Let me say that again. I want everybody to listen to this very closely. You need to build relationships today for tomorrow's crisis. Ready? Crisis is coming. I don't say that as a doom and gloom thing. I just say that because we live in a broken world thing. You live in a world right now where pain is a part of it. Jesus even said, hey, listen. Troubles, turmoils are coming your way. Jesus never promised a storm-free life. He just promised that he would walk with us in the storm. So storms are coming. Here's the deal. Are you going to face it alone? Are you going to have some life-giving friends that walk with you? Because last time I checked, there's a song that says, lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be. Okay, no, no, nice. go. We all need it. We all need somebody. You're leaning on now let me share a, a, a real story of this and we could share probably tons of them in this in, in this church here but I'm gonna share with you one that that is in Jennings um, because I just thought this was just such a powerful story it's a lady that's in our in our church and she wrote this I think I put it in the notes do we do we have it on the screen yes or no do I have that no okay I'm gonna read it then for you uh, she said this I was invited to OSC many times but by my best friend but always had an excuse why I couldn't go I finally gave in, and as soon as I turned into the parking lot, I was overcome by feelings I had never had before. For the first time in a very long time, I had hope. I dove headfirst into any way that I could get more of God. I went through inner healing. I went through freedom. My eyes were open to all the things that I used to try and give myself peace and sanity. And it was at that point that I knew what I needed to do. I needed to choose to accept Jesus into my heart and into my life. And from that moment, I began to hit the ground running. I began to find people who would speak life over me and into me. And my family at OSC not only helped save my life, they led me to saving my soul. Come on, I mean, that's the power of life groups and being connected to people. If you're not in a life group, you need to get plugged into one, not because just because you need friends, but you need people that will help you with tomorrow's crisis. You need people that are in your life that can be there with you, that can encourage you, that can walk with you, because trouble's coming, and you're going to want a family. And here's the deal. If crisis hits and you don't have relationships, then you're going to try to microwave relationships real quick, and then you're going to wonder, why is there nobody there for me? Because you haven't built the time and built the... The intentionality of what it takes to have relationship. How many know good relationships take work? Yeah. Question here. How many in your family in here, you've argued with your family? Raise your hand if you've argued with your family. Okay, good, because I was going to call you a liar if you didn't raise your hand. Okay, we've all, we've all lied. How many How you been upset? You've been upset with your family. You've been upset. We've all been there. Hey, watch this. Same as with spiritual family. Same as with spiritual family. We're all, we're all, we're all going to do things at times where we get upset with each other. But here's what we got to know. God, have you connected me here and have you planted me here? If you planted me here, I ain't going to let one argument get me out of here. I ain't going to let one offense get me out. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to work through the offense because relationships are worth it. Amen? They're worth fighting for. Listen, Jamie and I, we've gone round and round. He's my best friend, my best friend, best guy in the world. But we've had at it, we've, we've been at it with each other before. He's confronted me. I've confronted him. He's challenged me. I've challenged him. You know why? I'm better because of him. I'm grateful for that. We've walked through some really hard hell times together, and we've walked through some really amazing times together. I'm grateful. I mean, know, God will bring some people into your life for reasons and for seasons. You say yes, and you say thank you. Number three, last one. The next thing I'm going to show you, I believe, as we close today, is I think this can solve more problems in your life than you even realize. And that is purpose. So everybody say priority. priority. Everybody say people. people. Now everybody say purpose. Purpose, purpose is that, that God has called you and I to make a difference in the lives of other people. God's called you to put him first. God's called you to make sure that you've got great relationships. You choose great relationships in your life that can come alongside and encourage and walk with you and challenge you. But God has also put purpose on the inside of you. He's called you to do things more than just for yourself, but he's called you to be a blessing to those in this world. The solution to your problems is not solving your problems. The solutions to your problems is having a purpose in your life greater than your problems. I'm going to say that one more time, and I want everybody to tune in on this, because this is so huge right here. If you don't get this, you're going to miss a big part. The solution to your problems is not to try to figure out how to solve your problems. The solution to your problems is to get something in your life greater than your problems. Because here's why I say this. You'll always have problems. And if you're chasing one problem after another problem after another problem after another problem after another problem, you'll spend your whole life trying to solve problems when God said, I didn't, I, I, I can, I mean, oh, God's big enough. He can solve those. What would it look like if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and use my life to use it for purpose and trust God that he can take care of the problems? Now, that does, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we're passive and we don't do anything when there's problems in our life. But we just got to make sure that, that our life is not just consumed with our problems. We've got to get our eyes up off of ourselves. We've got to get our eyes up and look around the world. Dr. Miles Monroe said this, the greatest tragedy in life is not death. It's a life without purpose. It's a life without purpose. That's why Ephesians 2 encourages us when it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do, what do we call to do? Good works. Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me let me, let me give you one last little uh, note-taking thing. I think this is definitely worthy of it. Worship team, y'all can come up for this. But let me show you the difference between passion, talent, and purpose. I think we've got this slide. Do we have this slide? Yes? Yes, we do. Passion is what we love to do. It's what you're passionate about. Everybody here has got different passions. Some of y'all are passionate about kids. Some of y'all are like, nope, not at all. Some of y'all are passionate about music. Some of y'all are passionate about cooking. We love y'all, by the way. Uh, some of y'all are passionate about helping people. Some of y'all are passionate about prayer. Some of y'all, there, there's things that you're passionate about. Then there's talent. It's what we're actually able to do. You can be passionate about something and not actually gifted in it. You don't believe me, just watch American Idol. Okay, so my mama said I was the best singer ever. Well, your mama lied to you. Okay, like I just love to sing. Okay, just sing in the bathroom. Okay, so you're passionate about it, but you're not the most talented. Okay, talent is what you're actually gifted, like you're actually able to do this. you got a gift in it. But purpose is what we were created to do. And here's the beauty of what happens. Watch this. Here's the beauty. And this is what we want to pray, which, by the way, this is what we're going to try to help every person in this church do um, in the coming months. I know Pastor Jamie will will share a lot more about this. But we want to try to get people able to use their passion and talent for purpose, on purpose, what you were created to do, what you were created for. This, This verse says that God created in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship. To do good works in advance. One of the best ways to grow in your faith, we all want to be fully developed. Here's how you get fully developed. Do something for other people. Bless other people. Serve other people. Say, God, what do you want me to do with this talent you've given me? God, I have an ability to cook. What do you want me to do with this? God, I, I have a passion for people. What do you want me to do with this? God, I'm really good at administrating things. I can administrate stuff really, really well. I, just, I love that kind of stuff. Okay, how do I do? How do I use this that I'm good at? Plus, I'm passionate about, and how can I use it for your purposes? How can I do it for you created me for good works in advance before I was ever born? God, what are you calling me to do? And I'm gonna tell you, when I when I see people not walking in their purpose, I want to be like a laboring woman, go, no, come on! There's something in you, and you're wasting it either on self or you're wasting it by not using it. God has something that He has put inside every single one of you that you're passionate about, that you're talented in, but He wants to use it for purpose. For purpose. That's why, but by the way, who's all on the dream team here? If you're on the dream team, let me see. Come on, can we give it up for our dream team? We love you. Come on, y'all. Y'all are incredible. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for using your gifts. Thank you for using your talents to get here early and to be outside in the hot, sweaty, and park cars. Or to stand up here on the stage and lead worship. Or our intercession team that prays. Or those that are in our kids. Come on. When you go pick up your kids, you better give those people a hug. Like, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because how many know they're not babysitting there? They're teaching your kids about Jesus. They're discipling and pouring into your children. Come on, how many thank God for the kids' team? Thank God for the coffee team. Thank God for the people who serve here. Thank God for the people who are, are, uh, you know, doing outreaches. And man, thank God for everybody playing their part. How many know that's what makes the church beautiful? Everybody doing their part. Everybody coming and going, hey, I'm not just here to be served, I'm here to serve. Here's the truth. Ready? Watch this. The people who get the most out of a Sunday are not the ones who came just to receive, but the ones who came to give. We give praise to the Lord. We give love to our neighbor. We're serving those. On a Sunday in Jennings, after preaching three services, I'm like, I'm done. So when I found out, I was like, one? Yes, sign me up. I'm here. But I leave Sunday so physically exhausted And so spiritually encouraged. So emotionally full. You know why? Because I don't come to church on Sunday for me. I get Jesus all during the week. I come to church on Sunday so I can give. So I can bless others. And here's the beauty though. In pouring out, God pours back in. How many know God can't fill something that's already full of self? Watch this. When I pour myself out, Guess what I've got room for? More of what God has for me. How many here want to be fully developed in Christ? Anybody in here? I, I, I think we all do. So, so let me end with this. This is your last note. I know it's in your note, and if I don't say it, some of you note takers will be like, please tell me what it is. We are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. We are spiritual contributors. We're not, we're not, we're not consumers. We're contributors. Lindsay and I, Jamie and I, our staff here, our life group leaders here, we are laboring for you to become fully developed in Jesus. We want this for you. If I'm honest, listen, it would be so easy just to do Sunday services and then at the end of this, go like, hey, see you next Sunday. Have a great Sunday. Like that would be easy. Sunday services are easy. What is the challenge is throughout the week being in people's lives, investing in people's lives, walking with people through hardship, walking through with people through pain, uh, encouraging people, discipling people, walking with them through freedom. Some of you are in freedom right now. Some of you are in different life groups right now. Do, just going through the journey together, being trained, being developed. The, the, the youth that happened on Wednesday night, investing in them. Like That's the work. That's the work. But how me know that's also the joy. That's also the joy. So, so here's my challenge. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, first and foremost, priority. Jesus first. You say yes to Jesus. He, he gave his all for you. This is our, your opportunity to say, yes, God, I give, you all for, for, I give myself to you. Those of you in here that maybe have, have put your relationship with God on a back burner, I pray today maybe God is challenging you to, to put him priority. Even if it's five minutes, start with five. Start with 10. Just start every morning. Maybe when you get out of bed, roll out of bed, just spend some time, put one worship song on. Close your eyes and just spend some time with the Lord. Just start somewhere. And and here's the beauty of relationship is that it just grows. You wanna spend more time with that person. So start, just start somewhere, just grow it. If you're not in relationship with people, get plugged in, go through Next Step. I know Next Step's kicking off. Uh, in October get, get plugged in join be a part of the spiritual family get in a life group get around some people and then for those that maybe you've been coming for a while and you've just been attending but now is your moment to step up join the dream team start serving find ways to serve other people like take your step take your step everybody in this room's got a step to take So I want you to bow your head in this room, and this is what I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right here as we close out today. Here's the question I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what's my step? Everybody in this room's got a step to take. But Holy Spirit, what's my my step? What are you you calling me into? What are you calling me into? Maybe for those that's been five or 10 minutes, God's calling, he's inviting you into more. Come spend more time with me. Maybe for those that maybe have been in a life group, but, but you haven't been open, you haven't been honest, Maybe God's challenging you like, hey, why don't you, why don't you open up and be honest about where you're at? Maybe it's inviting someone into your life and say, man, I, I need some friends. I just need to be honest about this. I need some friends. I need some life-giving relationships in my life. Maybe for you it's been just, I, you know what, I've, I've been kind of self-focused and I need some purpose. I, I need to really do some work to discover what my purpose is so I can use it to make a difference in other people's lives. I want to end today by just inviting us all to pray through whatever that is. Whatever that is. So Father, right now, every one of us are in a different place in our spiritual journey. But God, I I pray for those maybe that are in this room that do not have a relationship with you. I thank you that you love them so much that they are here today not by accident, but God, you are calling their name. You're calling them into relationship with you. Lord, that you came into this earth, Lord, because of our sin that had broken relationship with you. You came to this earth. You lived a life we couldn't live. You ultimately died a death that we deserve to die. You took our sin and our shame on the cross. But the beauty is that you rose again. You rose again. and That anybody that confesses you as Lord shall be saved. If there's any of those that are in this room and you say, man, this is my day. This is my moment. I want to confess Jesus as Lord of my life. I, and I, 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 want to, I want to turn my life over to him. The Bible calls it being born again, that he comes and he makes our spirit alive in here. But if there's anybody that's in this room and you say, that's me, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hands up. One, two, three. Is there anybody that's in this room? Thank you, man. Thank you right there. Anybody else? This is your moment. This is it. So I'm saying yes to Jesus. Put your hand down right there. If there are those of you that are in this room, you, you 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 have a relationship with Jesus, but today you've been challenged to go more, to go more, to step more into all that he has for you, and you know that he's calling you into a greater level of intimacy with him. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up all across this place? Come on, hands going up all over. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down right there. So Father, I pray, Lord, for each of these groups of people, Lord, I thank you that you're calling us. You're drawing us into invitation with you. And so we respond today, yes. Yes. God, we want to follow you. We want to pursue you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for drawing us to yourself. Your word, Lord, says that if we would come to you, all who are hungry and thirsty, that we will be filled. So, God, I pray that you would create a spiritual hunger for more of you in this room. God, may we prioritize you. God, may you put people in our life, God, that spur our relationship with you, that call us to greater. And God, I pray that you would help us discover your purpose for our lives today, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, "Amen." Come on. Can-